It is our privilege today to have Reverend Gary Connors bring God's Word to us. He's going to come and take the mic and share what God has on his heart. Many of you know uh, Gary and Gwen. They're regular members and attendees uh, of Evangel. They've been with us a long time. Gary has served in many capacities with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. That's the tribe that we belong to over the years. Gary currently serves as the president of IBQ, which is the French Language Bible College for the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. He serves with Missions Canada and uh, uh, serves with committees for uh, pioneering churches and church planting Canada. He serves also on our lead team as a, one of our um, board members, our lead team members here at Evangel. And uh, also, he is my friend. And so I want to welcome uh, Gary Connors to come and share God's word today. I guess the most important thing is that I'm your friend. That's the, uh, of everything I heard there, that was the most important part of it. I'm your friend. It's great to be friends with people, isn't it? Anybody have any friends? If you don't, I'm your friend, okay? I'll talk to you after and we'll get to know each other. Well, I'm very happy to be with you this morning on this first Sunday of a brand new year. And, um, you know, today uh, we're going to be speaking about this theme about exceedingly abundantly above all that we can even imagine or ask because that is so important for us to get into our heart as we go into this new year that we serve a God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even imagine that he can do. We serve a great God. Now, there's a, there's a couple of verses that is found in the book of Ephesians, which uh, we often use as a benediction at the end of a service. <clears throat> and you'll see it come up on the screen here. You've probably seen it before. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So we usually say that at the end of a service as we're all leaving, but you know, I'd like to do it right at the start of the service. How's it? Let's stand together, okay? And uh, this is not a benediction as you go out, but I want it to be in our spirits this morning that we can just uh, say this benediction or this blessing that Paul said to the Ephesians, and let's just make it real. Let's all say it together. Read it as you see it on the screen. You ready? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever. And ever, amen. So that's the blessings as you start. You may be seated. But the most important thing about this that I want us to keep in our hearts today is the part that I've, I've, I've put in bold letters. Really, when he says, now to him, it is speaking about God. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask, imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us. That is so important for us to keep in our spirits as we start off this new year. You know, at this time of the period of the year, um, you see it all over the place. We're saying goodbye to 2017. Somehow we've, we've taken this particular date and we, we choose as a society to think about 
what has gone past, and it's a whole new year, and it, it always brings that sense of there's something new ahead of us. And uh, sometimes as we think about the year previous, we can have all sorts of mixed feelings about the year that has just gone by. Uh, maybe things didn't work out the way we thought they would. Uh, maybe you had hard times in 2017. Maybe just things were very difficult to go through, and that tends to be what we uh, put all our emphasis on. And for some, it's really not the greatest time of the year. But uh, in a minute, you're going to see a little video here about a gentleman who lost his job, but I like the way he takes it all in. <clears throat> this guy keeps good attitude, even though he gets called into his boss's office, and the boss tells him, you're fired. He goes back to his office. His co-workers are hugging him, saying, oh, it's too bad, buddy. He puts all the stuff in his box, and he walks out of the building. And just as he's walking out of the building, the box that was holding all these things, the bottom falls out, and it's all over the floor. And then he goes out through the revolving doors of his office, and to get his car... He beeps his car only to see that his car is being towed away down the street. Oh, man. So somehow he makes it home. He don't know if he walks all the way home. He makes it home. He gets to the door of his house, takes out his keys, puts it in the lock, but fumbles, and the keys fall right through the cl- cracks of the, the porch in the front. And he's looking down at it. So, oh, man. So he goes in the backyard, and he gets in his hammock and says, I'm just going to rest here. And then he has an automatic sprinkler system that turns on and soaks him completely. So let's watch this video and see how this guy's good attitude, okay? Oh, for Huggies, right? Who'd like to have a Huggies after 2017, okay? Just to say, oh, man, that was a hard day. But, you know, I'm going to keep on going. Now, I can't say that this guy was thinking about Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 that says, my God can do immeasurably more. But there's something about in his, his attitude, I, I, something we have to catch there, that us as believers in Jesus Christ, our God can do immeasurably above what we can imagine or ask. And we're going to go through any situation in life with the help of God's grace because his power is working in each one of us. Now, I want to look at two uh, scripture passages from the Old Testament, and, uh, but I'm just going to give you a bit of a context for it. The Old Testament is filled with stories of how God has moved and and interacted with the nation of Israel particularly, because that seems to be the emphasis in in the Old Testament. And uh, during the history of the the Jewish people, I think if you know it pretty well, but I'll just give you a little summary for a moment. You know that uh, that God chose the people of Israel. He he promised them that he would give them a land in in um, in the future. 
uh, the, the people of Israel got brought, went down to Egypt, and they were in slavery for many years. And God promised they would bring them up back to their land, and he, he brought them through to back to their land. And they started off as a nation, and they had a king. <clears throat> and the nation was together and a little bit farther into their history. There seemed to be a few problems in, in the, the country of Israel, and the, the, the land was split up in two. There was what we call the northern uh, kingdom of, of Israel and the southern kingdom. Uh, the northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern was called Judah. Uh, you know the story that uh, all the kings who were rulers in the northern kingdom, the Bible says that they were not good kings. And because of it, the whole northern kingdom uh, vanished. And there was only the southern kingdom that was left, the, ki- the kingdom of Judah. And the, uh, the, the kings who were the kings of the southern kingdom, the, the kingdom of Judah, some were good and some were bad. And during that time, uh, it came to the point that God said, you know, these people need to be disciplined. They need to be corrected in some way. So you probably know that God decided to discipline them there was going to be 70 years of captivity under the rulership of a nation called Babylon. So that's just a real, real quick history of the, the story of the, the Old Testament. But about one-third of the pages of the Old Testament, if you were to take your Bible and look at them, talk about gentlemen called prophets. These were people who lived in this time period who really had in their heart that God could do immeasurably more that you could even ask or imagine. And it was their attitude, it was their faith in God that allowed them to do great things, to allow them actually to speak a truth in many occasions that would cause them personal harm and difficulties. And uh, all through the, the historical books of the Bible, we see men like this who decided to put all their trust in God, and be spokesperson for God and just trust God that he was going to take care of everything no matter what happened in in front of them. And today I want to talk about uh, two particular statements from a couple of those prophets. And one is found in the book of Isaiah. And let me tell you a bit about uh, Isaiah. And uh, he is one of the prophets. There's three major books in the Old Testament. One's Isaiah, one's Jeremiah, one's Ezekiel, and then there's another 13 books they call the Minor Prophets. But uh, Isaiah spoke for about 39 chapters in, in the book of Isaiah to the people of Israel saying, things have got to change because you're not living the way you are supposed to live. And at the end of chapter 39, he inserts this story here about uh, people from the nation of Babylon who come to visit the king Hezekiah, and Hezekiah shows them all the treasures that are found in the house of the Lord. And so they go back home, and um, Isaiah, God tells them what has happened. So Isaiah goes and sees the uh, king Hezekiah, and he says, what did you do? You should never have done that. You showed your enemies all the treasures that you had here. This is not going to be good for you. He says, because God says the nation of Babylon is going to come and they're going to, um, I can only think of the French word, ils vont vaincre. They're going to uh, win or, or, or take over um, the, the, the city of, of Jerusalem and all Israel. 
actually. But then he says, but you yourself, you're not going to see that because you've been faithful in the past. You're going to be able to continue on living. And the Bible says uh, in the end of verse chapter 39, the king says, that's okay as long as I make it out okay. But his descendants, it didn't work out in the same way. So right away in the book of Isaiah, it's very interesting. You see this, this change in the book of Isaiah right at chapter 40. And from chapter 40 right to the end of chapter 48 in Isaiah, you see Isaiah prof- prophetically speaking for a period about 100 years later about the nation of Israel once they're going to be in captivity. It's really amazing. You can imagine imagine 100 years before Isaiah had a message of hope for people who were going to be in captivity in uh, Babylon. It, you know, sometimes we can, we can read something, uh, or somebody can come and encourage us. Uh, Pastor Rob just encouraged me this morning. He said he was my friend. At least I got one friend. And I, I, he told me right in front of you. So, you know, it, that can be encouraging right in the present. But here's a prophet who, who just trusts in God so much that he has a message for people who are going to be 100 years later going through a very difficult time. They're going to be away from their country, and he has a message for them. He's telling them, you know what? Trust God. Put your faith in God. You, 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 you're in hard times right now, but if you'll just put your faith in God, he will take care of you. And... Uh, there's one particular passage of Scripture that, that I want to uh, relate to you this morning. And uh, it is found in the chapter 43. And I'll just prefix it with these words. It, Isaiah tells this nation, This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives, fugitives all the Babylonians. And then he has a message to them, and you see it on your screen here. This is what God says. So he speaks to these people, now again, try and put it in your mind, who are living 100 years uh, after this first message came. Here's what he says. This is what God says. And then he says, hey, listen, this is just not anybody who is saying this. This is what God says. You know, sometimes... Uh, somebody could promise you. I was thinking about that this morning. Uh, Brian, you know, uh, uh, you're a great guy, and I, and I know you for years now, and I trust you. And uh, if you called me up one day and you said, Gary, you know, I got a couple of tickets uh, to go to Hawaii, and I can't go. Would you like to go? Nah, it's okay. No, because, yes, I'd say, sure, Brian, you've always been my best friend, you know. Like, no, I would say, great, that would be good. And I would, I would, I would trust him. I'm sure he wouldn't call me back. Oh, no, Gary, I was just kidding. I was just kidding about all that. No, I, because Brian told me I, I would believe it. Now, can imagine if the president of Air Canada called me up and he said, Gary, you know, you've been chosen to have two tickets to go to Hawaii. As much as I, I really trusted Brian, you know, I, there's something about you're the president of Air Canada boy, and he sent me the email and I had the tickets. I said, wow, that's really something else. So it's almost like Isaiah is saying here, what I'm going to tell you now is God says it. Not me, Isaiah, but God. 
And which God is it? And he refers to something that happened in the history of Israel. He says, the God who builds a road right through the ocean, who carves a path through the pounding waves, the God who summons horses and chariots and armies, they lie down and they can't get up. So you and I know who Isaiah is talking about, right? He's talking about the nation of Israel. We know the story. It's amazing. He's, he's telling these people, the God who did all that has a message for you who are going through all these troubles. And he's telling them this. And listen to it. Isaiah continues. In the midst of this, Isaiah says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. And just think about it. They're sitting there in captivity, and they're, they're thinking about their situation. They're mulling over their, 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 the situation that, that they're in, and they're having a hard time seeing beyond that situation. And so Isaiah prophetically says 100 years later, Israel, wake up. This is God saying, Forget about the, the area you're in. Forget about the situation. Don't keep mulling it over in your mind. Don't, don't just keep thinking about it over and over. This is not just what happens when we are going through difficult times. We, we think about the situation. We, we go to bed with it on our mind. And we have dreams about it at night. We think, I'm in a really, really uh, rough situation. And it's almost as if when we're going through those hard times and we keep thinking about those things, it's almost as if... You know, we get these feelings that push the elevator button and it brings us down, not higher, but it brings us lower into the, into the subasma, into the basement. That we just keep going lower, lower in our feelings. And I, Isaiah is telling the people of Israel, don't dwell on that. Don't keep thinking about all the difficulties that might be around you. He says, he continues on, basically in the next, in the next slide, he says, listen up, listen up. He says, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's, about, it's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. He says, I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. Wild animals will say, thank you, and that's the buzzards and the coyotes. Because I provided water in the desert, rivers through the sun-baked earth, Drinking water for the people I chose, the people I made especially for myself, a people custom made to praise me. Isaiah is telling them God is going to be present in your future. He says, listen up, be alert. God is still a miracle working God. And as you look towards the future, he's going to continue to be exceedingly, abundantly powerful. But it's going to be different, right? The first miracle that he, he talks to them about is how God made a road, a dry road, through a great expanse of water. He says this new miracle, he says, I'm going to put water now in a huge dry patch of land. And it's going to be exciting. I think too often we, we just think, God, you're, you're not doing it the way you used to do it. It's not exactly the way I'm used to seeing it. But that's not the important part. It's the part to see that God is still at work. And as we approach a new year, and I think it's so important for us as we look towards uh, 2018, 
that we keep the essential part of this message here in our own hearts. Yes, there were some things of maybe our past or what we went through or might be living through at the very moment that are hard to go with. But, you know, there, there are some great things about our previous year, too, that we need to not forget about. We need to bring it into the new year with us. So this morning, I'd like us to look at a few things, and I'd like to call them what we need to forget from the year 2017. Just a couple of things. I'd like you to forget a few things. You ready to forget a few things about 2017? And you're going to tell me, I'd like to tell you a few things I'm going to forget about 2017. But here's some that I want to suggest to you this morning. First of all, forget the failures that God has forgiven. Put them aside. Don't bring them in to 2018. The times that you didn't act the way you should have. You know, there are times that we just have to admit to God and just tell him, because God is faithful and fair, and if we admit we have sinned, he will forgive our sins and forgive every wrong that we have done, and he will make us pure. But too often, we, we just keep coming back to us. And we need to forget the failures that God has forgiven. Anything that comes to mind as, as I say that this morning? Put it aside. Second thing, forget the wrongs that were done against you. Anybody doing, done any wrongs against you in 2017 in the 365 days? I, I think it could happen that maybe somebody did something that really got under your, under your skin. Well, one version of 1 Corinthians 13 says this, love does not keep accounts. Love doesn't keep accounts. It does not hold grudges. And you know, there's a great passage of Scripture in Matthew 18, and it's the story of the unmerciful, unmerciful servant. You know the story. It's, it's, the context is Peter coming to see Jesus. He comes to see Jesus, and he says, Jesus, how many times should we forgive a person who has done something against us? And, and Peter, being magnanimous the way he is, he says, is it seven times? And what's Jesus' answer? He said, no, no, not seven times, 77 times. Peter must have went, what? <laughs> I mean, I've got to forgive this guy 77 times. Well, really, it's, you know, in Scripture, seven is a perfect number. What Jesus was really saying was, you have to just keep forgiving. You don't just count it up and say, hey, I'm at 77. I can't wait till he sees me again because he's going to get it at 78. No, it's talking about you need to forgive. And God will help you. God, because God is able to do that. Forget the wrongs that were done against you. The third one, I'd like to suggest to you this morning that we, need to, that we need to forget those things that would stop God from accomplishing new things in your life in 2018. There's a verse in Luke that says, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, I've, I've never, I, I, we did have a farm when I was growing up, but I never did this plowing with a horse, and, and I never experienced that. But I do know one thing, that when you are on a tractor and you're trying to plow a field, you pick a point at the other end of the field, and you look at it, and that way the track stays straight. You don't have to worry about the track and back. But the scripture here basically says if you're spending all your time looking back here, your field is going to be looking at all that. So 
Friends, forget those things that would stop God from accomplishing all that he has for you in 2018. Okay, what do we need to remember from the year 2017? What are some of the things that we can bring into our new year? Well, the first I'd like to suggest to you, remember those things that cause you to be thankful. We really need to have a good memory of the things God has done during the year. Too often we only think of the negative things. Psalm 103.12 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Can you think about some of the things that you are really thankful in 2017? Just bring them into 2018 with you. Take time, maybe even this evening or this afternoon, just think, what are some of the things, what are some of the great things God did in my life last year that need to be something that's going to propel me into having this the spirit of expectancy for the year 2018. What we need to remember from the year 2017, the second point I'd like to suggest to you, remember those things that will help you build up your spiritual life, the experiences you've had. How can they help you? Scripture that God has encouraged you. Bring into the new year. I do know times during the year 2017 in my own devotional life, maybe because I was going through diff- difficult situations and s- God speaks to you in a word, or, or I'm in here in the, in the Sunday morning, Pastor Patty or Rob or one of the other pastors is speaking, and a word is spoken, and, and I just say, boy, I need to grasp onto that. That needs to be a seed in my heart that's just going to allow faith to grow more and more. You know what? Go get those verses. Go get those messages. Bring them into 2018. Those are the type of things that you need to remember. The third thing this morning, what we need to expect for the year 2018. I want to suggest to you three things. First of all, we need to expect God's direction. God is going to lead you. God is going to lead this church. God is going to give direction in your life. He says, those who hear my voice, follow me. It's like, we, we can't doubt that. It has to be part of us. It has to... If we're believers in Jesus Christ, we have to believe that he is going to direct our life. And it's going to be an amazing, an amazing life because he is directing it. Secondly, we need to expect God's care and God's presence. God is going to take care of us. He's going to take care of our material needs, our physical needs, our spiritual needs. But we really have to believe that. We, God is going to take care of us. I have no doubt for it. And it's not because I'm wearing huggies or pampers. I don't know. Why? It's because I just know that my God is living. And he just didn't stay in 2017. He's in 2018. Amen? He is there with me. And here's the last one. We need to expect God to show up in our life. We need to, when we're going to say, he's going to show up. How many of you believe God's going to show up? He's going to show up in your situation. And, and it's that, that that keeps us going. It's the type of faith and trust that these prophets in the Old Testament had that caused them to be able to make it through the calling that God had in their life. So as we wrap up this morning, I want to just talk about this uh, second prophet, or the second group of scripture stories, 
And it's about the book of Jeremiah. I want to talk to you a bit about Jeremiah. Now, some people will tell you that Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. It's because the calling he had was not very easy. What he had to live through, you and I really would say, Lord, please, I'll do what you do, but don't make me be a Jeremiah. You know, he went through it rough. But even though he went through it rough, he had such a faith and trust in God that he believed God was going to do something great. Well, he lived as a prophet about 100 years after Isaiah, and he was just at the cusp of the people of Israel who were going to be brought into captivity. And the passage which I'm going to talk about here is he finds himself, oh, um, I don't know exactly when, but God speaks to him and says, I want you to go and see the king. And I want you, and, and that time the king was uh, Zedekiah, he, tell him that it's inevitable. Babylon is going to take over Jerusalem. It's inevitable. And he said, you're going to look at the king of Babylon eye to eye. And he says, but just don't worry about that. And, but they're going to take over Jerusalem. They hadn't got there yet. There, there was still a, a couple of cities, fortified cities, Lachish, Nazareth, and Jerusalem that, that was still protecting. But he says, it's inevitable they're going to come. He went there with the word of the Lord. Isn't it great when God tells you to do something? Do you ever pray, Lord, you just show me what to do and I'll do it. If I can just hear your voice, or you sense in your spirit, I'll do it and there'll be no problem. Well, Jeremiah did exactly that. He went in and saw the king. And I don't know if he expected the king was going to say, well, well thanks, Jeremiah. I, thank you for telling me that we're going to get wiped out. You're a real nice guy. That we're going to be taken away in captivity. And so the king did not like his message. And what did he do? He slapped him in prison. He put him in prison. And in the passage that we're going to look at now in Jeremiah 32, he's in prison. He's in prison in the city of Jerusalem because he did what God asked him to do. How many of you know that when God asks you to do something, it doesn't necessarily mean that it won't be without having certain problems, certain pressures, certain things, certain faith steps, certain activities that will be hard to accomplish. And so Jeremiah is there in prison. I, I, the Bible doesn't say what type of, you know, was he moping? I don't think he was because he believed in a God who could do amazing things, exceedingly abundant about what he could ask. And so as he's there, this is the word of the Lord that came to him. Let, let's look at it. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Animal, son of Shalom, uh, your uncle, in other words, his cousin, is going to come to you and say, Buy my field at Anathoth, because as nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. And then just as the Lord had said, my cousin came to me in the courtyard of the garden and said, Buy my field at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin, said it is your right to redeem it and possess it. Buy it for yourself. And I like Jeremiah's answer. What did he say? He says, I knew it was the Lord. I knew it was the Lord. So I bought the field. I knew it was I bought the field from my cousin. I weighed out the 17 shekels of silver, 
and, and I got a great deal. Well, actually, he didn't get a great deal. You know why? Because the land in Anathoth was already into the hands of the Babylonians. Because at this particular point in the story, the Babylonians are sieging around the city of Jerusalem, and they did that for about a year and a half. And the whole idea of the, the um, what do you call that, the, uh, the procedure or the, uh, anyway, I forget the word, of armies, the way they took over cities, they sieged them around till there was no more food in the city and the people inside just come on in, basically, or they just won them over. So what's interesting is the land that his cousin is wanting to sell to him, it's a bit like back in the 60s or 50s, whatever it was, when people were selling uh, marshy land in Florida to people from the north saying, hey, I got a good deal for you. It won't cost you much. When they got there, it was full of alligators, okay? It's, it wasn't such a great deal because it was the land that was already taken over by Babylon. But God had spoken to, to Jeremiah. He said, your cousin's going to come and he's going to say, buy a field. And what did Jeremiah say? I knew it was the Lord. So I bought the field. Not because it was a deal, but because it was God's direction. It was God's plan. And if you read in chapter, uh, um, I'm trying to remember where it was, in the, what passage are we in here? In Jeremiah 32. Sorry, I'll go to it. In Jeremiah 32, in, in, in the verse that I didn't mention in verse 15, It says, um, for this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. It was like the purchase of the land was saying, I'm buying it because I know 70 years from now, God, who is able to do abundantly and exceedingly, is bringing everybody back. This is God's will. Doesn't that take, I, that's such for me an illustration of faith. I'm going to buy the field. I'm going to invest in my future. He wouldn't be around. It's going to be his descendants who are going to benefit from that land. But he says there's going to be houses, fields, bought again. I, I don't know. Isn't that a great attitude to have? Even as us, as we, as we come into to the new year, God is going to do something great. And if you musicians want to come, uh, we're just going to end in a couple of minutes here. We're going to look at one more verse in the book of, of Hebrews, which I think is important uh, for us to see. In Hebrews uh, chapter 11. There's a fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. And in the same passage in verse 6 says, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. How many of you know that's true? Like, you know, we can think I'm going to do all these things for God and, and, and God's going to be real pleased with me. He's going to say, well, you know, I see all these other things that you didn't do. I'm not pleased with you in those. But if you want God to be really pleased with you, you'll just put your trust in him. You'll believe him who is exceedingly abundantly great. Now, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God 
must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Amen? 2018. Let's stand together. How many of you believe this morning that God is going to direct your life in this upcoming year? He's so much present in your life, he's going to direct you. How many of you believe that God cares for you? He cares for you. He's going to take care of you. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He's there. How many of you believe he's going to show up in your life in miraculous ways? Miraculous ways. Ways that you couldn't even imagine. Because he's exceedingly and abundantly above all great to do all things. So I'd like to pray for you this morning. I'd like to pray that God will just embed this this, this sense of being expecting for what God's going to do in 2018. That he will help you forget things that you should forget for the previous year. And that he'll help you bring in things that you'd remember from last year. And that 2018 is going to be a great year because God is in it. Amen? Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, the, uh, we're going to sing, Bless the Lord of my soul and all that is within me. And it talks about a new thing, a new day. And I really believe it, God, that you are here present with us. And so we're going to be present in the Lord. We're going to be looking for you to show up in our lives, Lord. We're going to be looking for all the indications, Lord, that you have not left us. You are here with us. So I pray for my brothers and sisters at Evangel Church today, Lord that you would just put into their hearts this type of faith that Isaiah had, the type of faith that Jeremiah had, the type of faith that will take them through any situation. And when they're going through those situations, that you'll bring back to mind, Lord, the truth of your scripture. You will never leave them nor forsake them. You have a plan for their life, Lord. Oh, Lord, do this. Embed it into their life, I pray. And I thank you, Father, today that you will do it and you will accomplish all that you say you will do. In Jesus' name.